0: gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Artshippreneur Now podcast. This is episode 10 and I am your host, Heath Armstrong. I hope you're feeling fancy today because today's guest is all about styling. She basically turned in her two-week notice and moved to the big city of Dubai to start a styling company, Style Me Divine. She's also the author of multiple books, a keynote speaker, and she is not in agreement that I should bring back the male perm and bell-bottoms look from the disco era. Find out how she's built her business to the point where she's been involved with the Grammys, the Brit Awards, and other amazing events. Come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody, let me hear that beat. here we go now.
1: Who wants to get funky? Who wants to get a little
0: creative out there? Which one of you want to get a little bit artsy now? Well then get on with your bad self. Sometimes she's in London, sometimes she's in Dubai. She's a stylist, an author, and a keynote speaker, the proud founder of StyleMeDivine.com. Everybody put on your best dress, because we are going to get styling with Kelly Lundberg. Kelly, you are the entrepreneur now. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing very good. Thank you for inviting me to be on the show.
0: (laughs) Oh, you're most welcome. Kelly is the founder of a styling agency stylemedivine.com author a keynote speaker you you know you basically guide people in personal style and development and you also are very much into inspiring people to reach for the stars Uh, and you have a a little monthly podcast i saw called where catwalk meets commerce is that correct
1: Um Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, if you'd said when I would first started styling that I would also end up in this sort of other route of writing a book about entrepreneurship in the Middle East or it's just it kind of, I think the two go, go go hand in hand. I love inspiring other people. And if I can do that through my job of, of running a business and in particularly in fashion, then it, I absolutely love it. And it's nice to kind oh, of yeah. have two hats, I think, you know. <laughs>
0: Sounds like you have about four or five hats.
1: Yeah, that can be a problem sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, first thing first, since you're a styling coach, I need you to make a decision for me because, you know, I've been pushing hard to try to bring back the male perm here in the United States. Oh, I've been no. growing my hair out. Yeah, trying to rock that male perm again, but I keep getting shut down by everybody. I keep getting all these crazy looks. Uh, good, you know, how someone's do you feel about that male yeah, perm? No, <laughs>
1: someone's on my side. That's a good thing. That's a real good thing.
0: <laughs> well, I think I still might bring it back.
1: Mm, you can do that one yourself then.
0: <laughs> uh, if, you ch- if you check out Kelly's website, you know, which is beautiful, by the way, you'll see the gigantic array of success she's been involved with. Uh, she's worked with styling for the Brit Awards, the Grammys, the Dubai Film Festival. She was a judge in the style stakes at the 2011 Dubai World Cup. Which is pretty crazy. Was nominated as a finalist for Most Stylish Female at the Scottish Style Awards in 2011. Uh, the list goes on and on. You, you were even nominated for Female Entrepreneur of the Year by Visa in what, 2008 and 2010? And yeah, have I've been had featured. Yeah, and have been featured in documentaries with the Discovery Channel, the Luxury Travel Channel, uh, the Million Dollar Weekend. So, congrats so much on all that success. And I'm truly honored to have you on the show today.
1: My pleasure, my pleasure.
0: Uh, before we get into really the core, we would like to start the interview off with a little section called The Breezy Threes, because uh, this is a creative podcast, and we like to know your creative side just a little bit. So what are your three favorite creative works, Kelly?
1: Wow, well, I have to say, with someone who's in the creative industry, thinking about this that was personal, uh, enough for people to maybe get to know me a little bit and also to, um, you know, to, to share a little bit more about me. So the first one I picked was my vision board because it's something that I do every year. It's probably, I would say in some respects, my most creative time, because it's all about me, what do I want? And I I get really into it. Um, I spend time going through magazines, through the internet, and I keep them every year. And I did a presentation a number of years ago, two or three years ago it was, with the Law of Attraction group here in Dubai. And I actually, and I knew these type of people were interested in vision boards. So I dug them all out and Taylor made my, my presentation around sort of what I had done in business and how vision boards had been part of it. And I have to say, I was pretty pleased that the number of earlier ones from sort of 2005, 2006, I would pretty much ticked everything off it. So for me, they're really key in terms of creative. When it came oh, it's, to... It's such an... Sorry.
0: Sorry, I was going to say, it's such an amazing feeling when you, when you see... Uh you go back to that board and realize that you've accomplished everything that's up there.
1: Absolutely. And and it, I don't think people spend enough time doing it. You know, it, it's actually really fun. I, I love doing it. And, um, and I make sure that my husband knows what's on it as well, because I think, you know, the more people that see it, the better. One of the best ones I ever had was I actually took it to a printer's and I got them to make it into a business card size and I had them everywhere. And I have to say I should do it again. But um, that particular vision board was the most successful.
0: That's a really good idea. I might have to steal your idea there.
1: Yeah. And it was in you know, you get the little in your wallets, you get a little plastic, you know, bit where maybe your ID card or whatever would go or picture of your husband or wife. Mine is my mine was my vision board. And um and it was it was good. It was always there. So for me that was something that was pretty important. And then, when it came to sort of um, thinking about something else, I picked a a book. And this particular book, I love books. And uh, most of the books I read personally are sort of business books because that's where I get so much inspiration from. And I really, really believe that inspiration is the best form of motivation. But for this purpose, I wanted to pick, I've got also a number of coffee table books. And I wanted to pick my first coffee table book. Um, It was probably before I even had a coffee table. Um, It it was a number of years ago, but to me, it was just beautiful. And um, it's basically, it's called Four Inches. Um, The foreword was written by Elton John and it was actually a charity book um, or, the, or a certain amount of proceeds were going towards Elton John's foundation. And it was a collaboration basically with uh, Jimmy Choo, the um, luxury shoe designer, and Cartier. And there was all these top models, um, celebrities, um, all in around, that would have been around kind of 2003, 2004, and they all posed in nothing else but a stunning piece of Cartier jewellery and a pair of Jimmy Choo shoes.
0: Oh, very cool!
1: And the pictures, the the photographs are stunning. Like they're all really creative, and you know, it it it's sexy, but it's it's not. Um, you know, the whole thing. It's really lovely, actually. So that's that's one of my favorite books in terms of creative and just I thought something a little bit different. And I didn't think anyone would have mentioned that in your podcast.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's fantastic. I love I love the uh, creativity there.
1: And the last one I picked, I'm a huge fan of films. And I I, I love all films. Um, I would rather watch a film than a TV program. And for me, I, it's my time where I can lose myself in whatever it is that's going on. And I picked my favorite movie and it's probably not your typical kind of creative, um, typically creative, but it's the notebook. I don't, have you seen it?
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, well, I
0: mean, I think all movies are creative in their own sense. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great film.
1: Oh, I mean I just love the romance um side of it. I suppose you know every woman who watches that w- w- would love it, but also <laughs> sort of the um it, the the fashion then and the way that you know it, you you know you were courted and and what you wore and the style and the hair and the red lips and on all of that. I l- I loved it all. So that was yeah, my I that got was the my chance- three.
0: I got the chance to go down there and actually see that uh, plantation where they filmed that and that Swan oh. Lake and all of it. And it's very, very cool. Very pretty place to go. It's uh, down is in, it in, near Charleston, um, South Carolina.
1: Is it something that's still in in use or was it just for filming or?
0: Uh, yes, it's in use. And they, they have a restaurant there and people, they do weddings in there. And uh, I guess they could do some filming. There are a couple other movies that were filmed there too. And I can't remember which ones, but the house I visited was... Her parents' house in the movie, Uh oh, but yeah yeah, they, and there's a couple other pieces of property there that they clipped into the movie as different locations, but it was really all in the same area, like that Swan uh-huh. Lake where he when he gets out there on that lake with all the uh, swans. Oh, or that that river it was so good.
1: It is. Last yes. last last summer, I was back in or well, one of the times I was back in London, but we went to Greenwich, my husband and I, and we were walking around this arts and creative kind of fair. They were selling all sorts of things from, you know, knickknacks to souvenirs. Um, it was really lovely. But there was this uh, one man that was selling. It was it was like a it was a coaster, but not a traditional coaster, as you would imagine. But what it was, was it was the the film front cover and then a piece of the actual film of all these movies, so it oh, wasn't cool. like the yeah it wasn't the actual film that was shown in in Hollywood it was something that was shown in the UK but it was really really hard to actually get the original film and he had contacts that he could get a piece of this film and then he had certain parts of the film so i know my girlfriends love it so i remember i bought uh one for each of them and i have the picture uh, the the sort of the motion picture the sort of the three i don't know what you call them there's the three pictures i guess or the strip you know it's, maybe it's up to five yeah, yeah. and there's the one when he's on the boat um out there the, what, the, what you were referring to when he's standing outside the white house when Noah's standing Mm -hmm. outside and he's completed the house. And I can't what it was the other one that I had got for my friend. I don't remember. But, um, yeah, I thought it was a really nice gift and something a little bit different.
0: Yeah, that's very cool. Films are extremely powerful and inspirational. I actually had a Hollywood director on a couple weeks ago named Saurabh Mirmont, and he's from Iran. But he won the New York film uh critics choice or audience choice when he was 19 years old and now he's about 29 but he's had a lot of success and he was a very interesting guest so you'll have to check that episode out when it comes live too absolutely so who do you think your three biggest role models or influencers are
1: oh well again i kind of separated this a little bit so i took one for fashion i took one for business and i took one for personal So uh, when it comes to fashion, um, I mean, I think there's so many incredibly talented individuals out there. But when it comes to combining the the sort of, I guess, making a career change um, and doing something that they're incredibly passionate about was Victoria Beckham. Now she launched her own collection. Um her first collection was obviously denim a number of years ago, but then um, launched her own capsule collection in terms of women's wear. And I, I mean, one, I love her designs personally. To my clients absolutely love the designs and they just make women look absolutely amazing. Like her dresses, they're, I mean, I know there's a team, uh, you know, that work on it. It's not necessarily just one person, but in terms of a brand identity and the structure of the uh, styles, they just work so well. So for me, it's a, it's a no brainer when it comes to picking something like that for a client, it works well with them. And of course, if they have the budget, then it's even better. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, for business, maybe a little bit cliche, but I absolutely love Richard Branson. Um, and I think the the sort of connection there was it was the first business book that I ever read. And it, it was the first one that I sort of really felt a connection with in terms of I guess he, I knew about you know I'd known about it the you know I knew about Richard Branson but I didn't know enough I mean I remember when he came to Edinburgh when I was about 13 years old and he opened up the the Virgin store and they closed off Prince's Street and you know I didn't really know who he was obviously then but always known about him and then to go back and read his book I, I really enjoyed it and you know of course like so many people in business um, truly inspiring. Mm. And the third sort of influencer, a bit role model would have to be my mom, um, whose continual support for me, even 3,000 miles away when I spend so much of my time in Dubai. Um, I think now with technology, we're, we're always in touch. But I think from seeing her um, develop her skills and you know, come from looking after my sister and I to taking on a full-time job, bringing us up the way that she did, the um, the values that she instilled in us, you know, so for me, uh, yeah, definitely got to be my mom.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. I feel the exact same way. I wouldn't be uh... anywhere near I am without the values that my parents uh, distilled in me and I also heard, you know, R- Richard Branson, I heard he's a very approachable person. So maybe one of us will get lucky enough one day to run into him in public.
1: Absolutely. Uh, he's think, been to Dubai a number of times.
0: Yeah, he's probably been all over the place, but I could, I could see Dubai being a, a stopping point for him quite a lot because of, the, you know, just the economy over there.
1: Yeah, no, he has been. And he was here, actually, I think just a month ago um, with one of the telecommunications company doing uh, some sort of presentation. So um, one day.
0: Yeah, I think I don't know if it was John Lee Dumas. Somebody uh, actually approached him and got to talk to him for a while in a hotel room. I was listening to the other day and it was a pretty interesting conversation that they had with him.
1: Um, Ah. I'll have to try to
0: look that up and see who it was.
1: Well, I'm always hopeful one day he might be on my flight. I don't know if you've ever heard of the, um, the um, book, The Millionaire Upgrade.
0: No, I have not.
1: I think it's called The Millionaire Upgrade. I'll have to have a little look for um, in a minute. Um, I had it as an audio book and it's all about the fundamentals of um, this chap who ends up getting the upgrade on the plane and um, the, the 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 business tips that he learns on his journey. And they're all very usable. So it's it's huh. and, and the, the audio in particular is uh, is very good.
0: I'll have to put that link in the show notes, and I'll have yeah. to check it out myself too. The millionaire upgrade, right?
1: Um, yeah, well. I'm gonna just double check that, but it was it was it's, it's really good, and and I particularly like the audio. I don't know, there's something the chap who reads it is um is uh, you know very English, and and it uh, it works well. Yeah, millionaire upgrade.
0: Awesome. Well, what are the top three items on your creative bucket list?
1: Wow. Well, I think one of the things I really want to do right now with it's certainly achievable is to design a new quote bangle. So we launched last year our Giving Back in Style initiative, which was, um, and I call it Giving Back in Style because there can be some challenges here in the Middle East using the words um, charity. So let's say say, Giving Back in Style where I used my own quote, which was uh, life is too short to look. Just fine every day you should look divine and that then became um, something that we sold to our clients or as gifts as a reminder but it was also where we could contribute to um, Kiva which is one of the organizations that we work with and also an orphanage that I personally visit in Thailand and I'd really love to build on I would always keep that as sort of the original but I'd love to do limited edition ones And collaborate with different people. So I've got someone in the beauty industry that I'd like for her to come up with one of her quotes or something that she's particularly interested in and offer it that way. And then to do an entrepreneurship one and just work with different people within different industries that have got a connection that can have a limited edition one. So that was one of them. Um, Oh, amazing. yeah. And, and I love I doing it and I love wearing it. And I know other people love giving them as a gift and receiving them. It's, it's a nice story. Yeah. And I think when people feel like they can also give back at the same time as wearing something stylish, it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. W- one thing that really kick-started me to start following my passions and pursue what I really loved was I was actually on a plane flight and I was coming back from a job interview right after college uh, in Houston, flying back towards Nashville, and I had this guy sitting next to me, and he was just, you know, huge beard, uh, long hair, tattoos all over him. And, you know, my first thought was, uh, who, who knows where he is or where he's been, but as I started talking to him, uh, his name was Jared Miller, and Jared actually was doing that same kind of thing, but he had given up his life here and moved to Rwanda. And he started, Mm. he took all of these women that were victims of the genocide, you know, with HIV, and Mm. he started teaching them how to make jewelry. And then he was bringing that jewelry back to the United States, and he was selling it to the celebrity market and taking that money back to Rwanda, uh, you know, to try to get them clean water and to build their city structures and things like that. And to this day, he's still highly involved with that. I think it's under a different name now. It was uh, Sisters of Rwanda, but I think there's a whole there's a whole other name to it now. It's probably grown much bigger. But he told me, he said, well, is that really what you want to be doing? And I'd really never thought about that because it's just how I was grown up and raised to think. You know, you go, you get a job, and then you work your job, and it's not really what about I wanted to do. And I really started thinking about it. And then in the mail he sent me a book called no more Mondays and his dad was an (laughs) author and he wrote on that particular topic of following, you know, your passions and your dreams. And his father's name was Dan Miller. And I think they co-author books now and they've got a new one out, which I'll have to look into. But, uh, it was really inspiring to me that he could just throw his, you know, set his life aside to do something so much bigger. And so I, I love the, um, you know, the, the whole give back mentality and the effect that it's had on me and, and, naturally, everybody across the world that, you know, you all are helping. Uh, so definitely thank you for that.
1: Well, I often think as well, that, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, for me, I would think why I never did anything sooner was because I always felt that it needed to be something big something grand. And, mm-hmm. you know, the whole point was, I think the big turning point where there was two things was, I went and did um, um, UPW with Tony Robbins um, two years ago. So then a seed was planted because he he was talking about it a huge amount um, from his uh, beginnings when he started delivering the, the um, Thanksgiving dinners and his story about that. And then a little while later, I watched a movie called I Am, um, I, have you seen it at all? Have you heard about it? No. It's I have um not it's a documentary film. And um I, I saw it just by chance one day, but I think one of the the, the the one of the takeaways from that was that it's that um it's the small acts that change the world. So it's if everyone did something small, whether that's giving back, whether that's looking after the environment, whether that's whatever it is that is going to be what contributes towards, um, world or, or I mean, without getting too deep, how things are going to be different in years to come. So, I mean, it had mixed reviews. Um, I really enjoyed it because I got a real lesson from it. Um, so yeah, I, you know, it might be something to put in your show notes when you watched yeah, it, tell me what you will. think, but, um, it's, um, it's really interesting. It's from the, uh, the, um, I think behind the people who shot uh, um, Bruce Almighty. I'm just trying to think. Yes, he was um, the director. Um, he, he, he had a number of big films, and then he decided to go back to roots and and get a bit of a better understanding to things and life in general. So, yeah, yeah have a very little look cool. at it. I
0: will definitely put that in the show notes. So, uh, do you have any other items on your creative bucket list?
1: Um, I'd like to learn Arabic, but that's a sort of a a Um, love-hate. I've been in the Middle East now nearly 12 years, so I kind of feel it's something I should be doing, but it's not the easiest of languages to learn. No, no.
0: My my girlfriend's family's from Iran, and so we try to pick up a little Farsi here and there, and it's pretty
1: uh, tough. Yeah, and, and I think... As much as you know, in the middle, in Dubai in particular, everyone speaks English. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I have very few um, Arab-speaking friends, so I often think, unless you're in that sort of community where you can immerse yourself to actually practice, it does actually make it a little bit harder.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's not the easiest in the world.
1: <laughs>
0: I'd like to learn Thai, uh, oh, but that one probably pretty difficult too.
1: Well, I think, again, like um, my uh, parents-in-law have um, semi-retired to Thailand, but and, and they're learning Thai. And I think if you're in the community, again, where you can practice and speak to people, then it's much easier. But I can't imagine you have much encounters in America. Yeah. We're,
0: we're planning on taking a trip there because uh, Lindsay's cousin is living in thailand she takes care of tigers at a monastery i think uh, oh wow which is pretty cool so we were thinking about taking you know two weeks maybe even longer to go out there and just we would like to know at least the basics so we can try to you know converse because i don't think there's as much of an english-speaking uh following out there as there mm -hmm. is in dubai
1: not so much not so much but um fear not there is an app that can help you um there's an app called i translate and what you can do is you can say the word in english and it will translate it into any language that you want
0: oh that's awesome
1: so you can have all these like pre-recorded things that you want to say maybe before <laughs> you go and then or you can just show them it so when i was in Shanghai recently um I had a number of things where of course I couldn't pronounce what it was I wanted to say so I would say it and then just show them my iPhone (laughs) so that the taxi driver could read or whoever it was I was trying to converse with so it's really handy actually
0: yeah yeah cool well you know what really drew me to interviewing you on this show was your passion uh for teaching your creativity to others and you know your drive to essentially give back Um, You know, the influence that it has on others is totally life changing. And obviously, I can sense, you know, there's something much larger than just being successful that drives you in particular. So what would you say the purpose of your journey is?
1: What truly motivates
0: you to do what you do?
1: Because I think it's, you know, it's, it's more than just the styling. You know, I spent a, quite a bit of time working out what my life purpose was or what I felt kind of what I was here to do um, that would motivate me. And I kind of worked it down to the fact that it was to inspire and empower people, but with a positive, genuine attitude that you can achieve anything that you want. And in the process, you can feel good doing it feel good and look good. Because I really believe that that whole thing kind of comes together, that when you actually feel good about yourself and you look good, you know, not, it's not superficial. It's not about wearing the designer labels or, or, you know, the, the shoes or whatever it is. It's about wearing something that you feel fantastic in and then being able, and the things you can achieve when, when, when you have that empowerment, and, and the ways which I can do that, you know, are through obviously styling, through speaking and, you know, giving value to those, whether it's through my YouTube channel, whether it's through the podcast and interviewing other people or, you know, through the, the Giving Back and in Style initiative. And I'm sure a number of ways uh, over the coming years that I'll come up with as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Um, t- can you tell us a little bit about your background and, you know, where the major turning point was where you decided... You were going to take off and and do this styling.
1: Well, um, I left home at seventeen and I worked overseas. I mean, I love Scotland. I'm originally from Edinburgh. I, I love it. It's a beautiful city, but I love to visit it and I love going home and seeing my family. But it's pretty cold, um, and it can be very miserable in winter. So there was always that draw for me to live overseas. So I spent a number of years kind of. But in between working in uh, retail uh, and seasons, I would work in retail and then I would spend some my summers away working in the Canary Islands, working in Cyprus. And I spent four years kind of doing that and till I got a bit of pressure from the, the parents saying, when are you going to come back and get a proper job? Um, and all my kind of friends were sort of graduating from university and I was 21 at the time. And I thought, mm, maybe I kind of should go back because I didn't do university. Um, I went to University of Life. Um, but uh I um yeah and, and so I went home and it was the November and oh my god, it was cold, it was miserable, it was wet, it was horrid. And um I was actually of all places down at the job centre, and I just decided, oh, I would click on the the button that said international worldwide jobs or whatever it was, and I saw this post for cabin crew based in the middle east and i thought hmm i've been to the middle east before i remember that's quite warm and um i took the the advert and i went home and i spoke to my mom and um she said you know i think you should do it and i said you know where's dubai so we're talking 12 years ago <laughs> over 12 years ago and you know again mom was um you know, I said, oh, Dubai, you know, Arabic, you know, Muslim, I don't think I can party there. You know, of course, my, my priorities were all wrong at 21, but I was like, I don't think I can party there. And I don't, I, you know, I don't think you can drink, you know, you have to wear head to toe covered up. And I was like, don't be so silly. You know, it's, it's going to be the next up and coming destination, you know, and mums are usually white. Well, my mum usually is anyway. Um, And yeah, and I said, oh, and then it was like, oh, I don't know if I want to be cabin crew, you know, and she said, you know, you should go. It'll be the stepping stone to the next big thing, whatever that's going to be. So I arrived in Dubai in 2002 um, and, yeah, started life as an air stewardess And I did that for sort of two and a half, nearly three years. And I loved it. Flying all around the world. I mean, I'm not your backpacking type. Um, I think it's that's a great experience for some. But for me, this was the best exposure to see the world but do it in a way that was, um, you know, not having to live in, you know, out of backpack, shall we say. Um, And I loved it. And I saw uh, the things I saw, the vacations. I mean, I traveled everywhere for, 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 for 10% of the fares, you know, and one of my last trips, I remember before I, I, I launched the business was I was looking at the globe and I was like, right. Okay. Kelly pick somewhere in the world that's, really far away from here that you can go to um, because the chances are I'm starting a business. So the chances of a holiday in the foreseeable future was not kind of really going to happen. And I picked Hawaii. Now, Hawaii really is the other side of the world from Dubai. We can choose to go two ways to it. We can head sort of back to uh, we can go, you know, via America, which is 14 hours and then another nine. We can go um, back to the UK and that way. Or you can go around the other side, back to Japan, which is the way I did, up to Japan and then um, down to Honolulu. So I loved it. And as a job, it was brilliant, but it it just kind of got less, uh, what was the word, challenging in terms of I knew that there was something else that I could do. And a sort of seat was planted as I used to chat away to passengers in the premium cabins. And whenever they were coming to land in Dubai, I was always, oh, so where are you going? And what are you doing? And where are you going to shop? And... Um, I always would sit down on the jump seat coming, you know, we're getting ready and I'd be writing down things for clients, uh, for passengers where they could go. And a little seed was planted then. And I thought, wow, it'd be great if I could actually do this as a job and get paid for it. And that was the start of it. And that's kind of where I thought, hmm, so this was 2005. And also this was boom time, Dubai. So literally anywhere anyone you spoke to, they were starting a business, whether it was in real estate, whether it was in PR, whether it was in, um, anything, people were just starting a business. There was this real kind of entrepreneurial kind of, you can do it attitude, you know, and and there still is. Um, and I kind of then thought, well, okay, if they can do it, then why can't I? And I decided to hand in my notice and launch the Middle East first um, personal shopping and styling this, um, agency, and that was kind of where it all began, and where I learned everything. It was really a case of um, uh, um, what's what's the word? You know, you just you're learning on the job, um, yeah. And yeah, head head first in the deep end.
0: <laughs> do you think that it was harder to get started or to keep going?
1: Both? (laughs) No, I think um um, I think it was I think in the beginning, you know, and, and often when you start a business, you're you're naive. And I was certainly young and I was naive. And I do believe that was a good thing because I didn't think I didn't really think a year down the line. I didn't think oh what if no one buys my package that I thought was so amazing. So I think in that respect it was certainly a little bit easier because you know you you don't you're not really thinking the negatives it's when you then are in it a little bit longer and then you have a couple of really down days and then you're like oh this can be a little bit this is going to be a little bit tougher than I thought it was going to be when I was 30,000 feet um telling people where to go and shop and what to buy
0: yeah definitely being an entrepreneur that's that's part of the glory in it right up and down and uh, yeah you know you kind of really have to set your focus on that vision board and your long-term goals and just attack it. And, you know, when we're in school, they don't really teach us all these necessary, you know, traits that would really be helpful for you, you know, like how to network.
1: So I, I completely agree with you.
0: And so when you when you use these principles of just trying to get out and network and meeting people, uh, you really have to start developing these small habits, you know, baby steps to get you a little bit closer to your goals uh do you have any habits that you've put in place that you know you've had to learn on your own after school because you just didn't really get the luxury of of learning you know how to to call somebody up and and cold call them and get out of your comfort zone problems. Tons.
1: Solve. Yeah, absolutely tons. I mean, I didn't even know what an entrepreneur was when I was at school. I didn't even <laughs> think that there would be I mean, even my job as a personal stylist wasn't something, you know, that you know, if you told the careers advisor that you wanted to work in fashion, they'd tell you to how go how to go and get a job in a shop. You know, there wasn't the 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 Creativity in terms of what the other options were out there. But in terms of things that I've learned, um, you know, whilst I am, you know, and I go in and speak at schools and talk about my experience, and I'm not a huge advocator of going to university and doing your four years. I get that there's professions that do require that and more than four years. But um, there's so many people that do end up going and, you know, they're coming out and they, they may not be much further ahead than others who've gone out there, maybe got the experience or learned other ways so for me I really am huge in self-education and bettering myself in terms of courses that I can do on my own things that will inspire me Um, one of my biggest turning points was getting a coach and understanding how that could help me in my business and huge and I've done a number of different coaching programs and if I'd understood at school you know the best athletes have a coach because they need to become the best in the world and understanding that it's the same principle if you want a business you know there'll be people that can help you get there the accountability factor um all of that is is um a huge part and i think more recently along with sort of this reading aspect planning my day the night before has now become such a ritual that no matter what state I'm in, how tired, um, I always plan the next again day the night before. So I have a a daily planner and in that, you know, I've got my morning ritual, the things that I do every single morning and throughout the rest of the day. Otherwise I wake up and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing with my day. And then I waste (laughs) half an hour and it already starts by, being kind of unproductive rather than getting up and going, right, this is exactly what it is that I'm doing. And more recently off the back of that is turning my Outlook off and I'll spend an hour and an hour and a half in the morning doing my emails and then I'll maybe turn it on again um, or I will turn it on again before the end of the day so I can answer anything. And if I'm out and about, of course, I'll refer to my BlackBerry. It's not a case of not looking at it. But geez, the amount of work I've managed to get done in between by not being distracted with everything else. So there are just a few of the things that I've learned.
0: Yeah the small distractions if you can figure out a way to manage those to you know if you follow tim ferriss and the 4 hour work week he talks mm. about it a lot and then how elrod obviously you're a big advocate of the miracle morning which really teaches Love you it. how to set your affirmations the night before to get those things done uh, first thing in the morning and i'm the same way if i don't if i don't get those done if i sleep over or something the yeah. whole rest of the day just feels like i'm i you know am out of it <laughs> so it's pretty and, and, crazy but
1: And that was the thing with Hal's book. And there was so much that, you know, in, in this sort of the miracle morning were all things that you really knew, but it was really just kind of putting them in a way going, I have to do this. It'd be stupid if I don't. So, uh, yeah, really, really true.
0: Yeah. And back to, you know, to the busy things and, and trying to manage them, you know, with your email and outlook, have you ever heard of the app square one? No. Well, Square One is a mail app, which is, oh, man, it's phenomenal. It's like saved my life. But basically, uh, it takes, you know, you can import your mail from Gmail or whatever, but mm-hmm. it, you can sort them into a grid of importance. So you can have your family and friends or your styling uh, clients or, mm-hmm. you know, work or junk email and any of that stuff. But there's a little toggle switch to silence all the zones, or you can silence one zone at a time uh, just by oh. swiping left. And so basically you can set it to only give you your email, you know, two times a day if you want. Um, and so without the emails coming through your phone or on your computer or wherever, uh, it clears up those huge gaps of time and and you can really see, you know, these are the two things I really need to get done today. And you're not thinking about email and all that other stuff that really is just a, an excuse almost, you know, you, you, you look at your email and you feel like you're doing something, but really... To me, you know, it's just an excuse in my head that I'm not getting the stuff that I need to be getting done. So you should yeah. check that out.
1: I absolutely will. It's great when we have these little these little chats, the things that we can pick up along the way.
0: Yeah, definitely. And so you you wrote a book, right, called Success in the City?
1: Mm. Now, that was something that I did... Um, I I mean, business inspires me and I I really believe that that's one of the reasons why my styling business was uh, or is a success is because so many people kind of look at styling as just kind of being a hobby and I've always run it as a business. So I think that's where the kind of the passion and the interest has come for that. And I kind of realized I also knew um, a lot of people in business and they inspired me. So I decided um, that I would write a book and I can't remember exactly how it came across uh, that I would even start it. It was inspired by something else. But there is, for me, the the inspiration comes in, you know, OK, the numbers and how they're they're doing in terms of turnover. But I'm equally interested to know how did they come up with their name? How how did they really turn that into? Um, that idea what were the steps that really made it real because I think when people can start to make a connection and say oh well I've been to that place and I've sat there and perhaps if I do that again maybe I'll have an idea or um you know it's just getting that real life real people real connections and that's what inspires people and that's what happens
0: Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much geared towards inspiring, you know, others to achieve the impossible, which is pretty much the same reason, you know, I'm trying to do this podcast. And in the book, uh, I saw there was a section that you share called five fundamental principles of entrepreneurial success. Uh, I don't know if this is possible, but is there a way to uh, briefly sum those up for our listeners?
1: yeah yeah absolutely oh so that book um well success in the city was the first one that i wrote in 2009 the five entrepreneurial um steps is my free book so if anyone actually um wants to have the this um downloaded to their tablet or whatever it is they're using if they go to my homepage page at kellyloomberg.co um they, they can access this and this has kind of been the the foundations to a lot of my keynote speeches and also I believe um, it's been it's the 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 starting point or kind of I guess what gets you going Well, what what I talk about in the five entrepreneurial steps to kind of starting a business, that was the free book that people can get access to. But first of all, it's all about, um, you know, believing in yourself and having that passion because I believe if you don't believe in yourself, then no one else is going to believe in you. And that's the same for anything, whether it's starting a business, whether it's following through with a job promotion or a job or um, passing something university. So I really believe that you've got to believe it see it and know it's going to happen for it to really happen. And then I really believe in surrounding yourself with similar people. So those that have inspired you or those that you can learn from. And I know Jim Rowan has that quote that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And when I did these, I didn't even know that quote. So it's quite interesting now, the more that I read, um, the sort of the same kind of things come up. But as you learn in your journey, how they all kind of come along. And I talk about that in my story as well. And then there's also the aspect of, um, you know, again, one of one of the, the principles is have enough conviction to believe that the money will find you. And when I kind of say that as back to that kind of believing that, you know, there is a way. There is a solution to whatever it is you want. So when it comes to business and all the aspects that I've done in the business, whether it was getting a sponsor for one of my books so that they covered the cost of the printing or whether it was finding the resources to launch my first business, um, because I didn't have any savings. You come and cruise a great job, but it's not the the best paid job. And it tells you how I um, told a little white lie to the bank manager to... um, to start my business. So you can have a little read there. I won't go into it now, but it's quite funny. And also sort of every, this networking, looking at every encounter that you have with someone is an opportunity to help them. And in return, it will help you. And, you know, and for me, it's this never stop learning. So I've talked about this self-education because um, that's so important. And when you stop growing, your business stops growing. You know, or you when you stop reading, when you stop learning, you need to constantly keep doing it.
0: Oh, yeah. Always take a step forward. Uh,
1: mm.
0: Fail, fail and- forward and fail harder and keep failing and it'll end up in an um, amazing feeling of success.
1: Just do it in great shoes.
0: Yeah, just do it in great shoes. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: <laughs> when you first got started, you know, it's probably very difficult to sustain, you know, streams of revenue right off the bat to support your business as most mm. businesses are. And I'm a big believer that if you truly do follow what you love and identify these problems uh, you can solve with your talents and creativity, then the money will actually come and that community will build around you. Mm. And I had a good uh, conversation about that last night with uh, Carrie and Danielle. They started a theater and production company in Knoxville called Yellow Rose, and we were on this topic as well. But you've obviously mastered this now. Uh, but what kind of approach did you take when you first got started to secure revenue and and kind of boost yourself?
1: I said yes to everything, and some things <laughs> I think that you know um, when you learn and and I do kind of wish I, I maybe focused a little bit more on on particularity, but I I tried everything. I um, started a, an online wedding registrar. Um, which kind of worked well with the sort of the personal shopping because I was always in the shops and um, it was just, you know, going into, I mean, that could have been a business, but it was a business on itself because two years later I sold it. Um, I offered personal shopping um, when it came to interiors. So there's a lot of new, a lot of people obviously moving to Dubai that didn't know the shops, um, didn't know how to buy things for their apartment. You know, it wasn't interior design. It was more interior decorating, personal shopping for their home. That was another service that I did. I probably lost track of the amount of things that I was actually doing in the early days. I did a lot of photo shoots. Um, It's something that I learned and I talk about in the the seven step styling formula, the online style academy that I have now where I train other stylists is I do think it's incredibly important that as much as you have different revenue streams is to find your niche Um, early on. And I do believe that was one of my mistakes is that I didn't niche early enough and I kind of did everything because I panicked and was like, I need to have money. I need to get money. I need to get money. It's coming in and what else can I do? What else can I do? But I should have listened back to what I now talk about is having that, that, um, uh, the confidence to know that when you've got the right niche, you know, the money will find you and, and you will grow your business.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. You know, we get noticed because of our successes, but we really do create them on the back of our failures. And it's good to hear, uh, stories about that. So if, if there was a little Kelly listening out there thinking about making a transition, you know, to kickstart the styling business, uh, somewhere foreign to her, uh, to follow her dreams full time, you know, what is one thing that she could do right now to get started?
1: Um, oh, there's so many things, it's, uh, you know, it's just so, this, the first biggest thing is taking this, taking action. And there's so many people out there that talk and they talk. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Someday I'll do this. I would really like to do this. Oh, you're so lucky you have your dream job. And I just think you can absolutely have it too. If I did it, you can do it. So I believe the only way that you can start doing that is by taking action and taking that action is going out and either speaking to another stylist or going out and speaking to someone else in business and saying how do I launch a business in Dubai or how do I launch a business where I am or how do I get a business card you know because when you make that first connection with one person it goes to another person another person another person mm-hmm. another person and before you know it you have your yeah. business
0: yeah it's amazing isn't it how it how it progresses and just keeps going uh, it's a fantastic feeling to look back and see you know wow i was doing this pretty much doing nothing and because I talked to this one person, you know, my entire life has changed and, mm. and people want to help too. You know, they, they want to teach, they want to help others that were in the position that they were in, you know, five, 10 years ago. And mm. you just got to get out of your comfort zone and start talking to people and asking questions. And you'd be surprised the, uh, you know, the amazing things that can come of that.
1: Absolutely, and I was really scared when I started. Uh, I was really scared to ask for help because I kind of felt, oh, well, I it's my responsibility. I've started the business, and I want to do it myself. And what if someone steals my idea and all these things? And and it was again back to this sort of naive. If I'd read half the books that I had read, you know, now I would have asked, you know, three, four, five, ten times as many people to help. Whereas that sort of first you know, twelve to eighteen months, um, I really did struggle. Um, and I don't want other stylists to do that now, which is why I then have this um styling course now and I answer questions on YouTube and really try to help people launch their their own business, but to do it as a way that it's run as a business and not as a hobby. Because I mean, don't get me wrong, and especially in the art art creative world, we're so passionate about what we do, it's very easy for us to kind of say, i oh, will do it for free or don't worry about it or but the whole point is you know it's so nice to do things for free because we're so passionate about what it is we do but unfortunately that doesn't necessarily buy us food for the table or pay rent or buy us the shoes yeah. or you know do all or of that create,
0: so, or help you create other opportunities so that you can continue you know to inspire and help people and build your dream and uh, you give everything away for free then then, you know, it's just kind of undervaluing yourself, but you're really mm. handicapping yourself from your full potential as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, yeah, nobody should be afraid to charge for what they're worth. Uh, it's, charge It's something and ask. that we all want to do, but it, it's really hard to get over that hump, but it's, it, it's a completely necessary thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Kelly, I could, you know... Talk to you forever, and we might have to have you on again in the future because you've got so much value and insight, and I, I love the passion uh-huh. and inspiration and motivation in your voice. Uh, but we are running over on the time here, so I'm going to have to gear towards the closing questions.
1: Okay, perfect. Uh, bu-
0: before I do the closing questions, I have one more thing to ask. Uh, since you are into so many different things, I feel like I have to ask what your favorite part about your job is. You know, what do you love doing the most?
1: Oh wow. Um... I suppose the biggest buzz I actually get is is from other people when I will style them in an outfit and they maybe they wouldn't have picked it themselves and you know they don't need to say anything all you can do is you can see it and you can feel it and and mm-hmm. they they're they're buzzing cuz it's just like oh, I actually look quite nice or wow this <laughs> is amazing and it's back to kind of it's gone full circle but it's back to that when they feel so good in it you can achieve anything anything you want get that job that you want you know um secure that contract whatever it is um so it's really powerful
0: yeah and i feel like you know unless i get a perm and some big bell bottoms i'm not going to be able <laughs> to feel like that
1: <laughs> yeah well but we'll but maybe have to have a styling sketch, a styling session by skype
0: <laughs> yeah definitely okay so Kelly, if if you had to battle Godzilla, uh, how would you use your creativity and talents to defeat that big bastard?
1: I would challenge challenge him to a marathon mall session shopping, um, <laughs> in the biggest mall that we have here, and it's one of the biggest in the world. And I reckon that would defeat him. And I that would make sounds- him do it, and I would make him do it in high heel shoes.
0: Oh my gosh! Perfect. That sounds like an immediate <laughs> defeat. Uh, I don't think he'd last very long.
1: Good. Yeah, I thought you might, you might like, like that know. God,
0: God's, Godzilla might be a shopaholic. You, he, he might give you a run for your money.
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty good at that. I mean, I've clocked up over about ten thousand hours, and I've purchased around five thousand pairs of shoes. So I don't know.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you, do you have any favorite advice, resources, or tools that you want to share with our listeners that you think they could oh, find value in?
1: I've given so many. like I mean, I've, I feel like I've, I've, I've got loads. I don't want to bombard people with tons of information. Um, yeah, maybe we've got one, a lot
0: to put in the show notes already. Yeah,
1: so. sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, it's
0: fantastic. It's great.
1: Good, good. And maybe one of the last thing, one of the biggest mistakes I made in my business was not getting to grips with my accounts early enough. And it's something that I continually want to um, encourage other people to, to, even if maths is not your strong point it doesn't have to be either outsource it to someone else but first and foremost even when you're just starting really get to grips with your accounts and you know even if it's this profit and loss and I've really found um FreshBooks useful um and that was my PA um or my VA should I say that suggested to use this piece of software and I absolutely love it so that would be something that I would pass on.
0: I've actually got that on my schedule to look into because I think I'm going to be um, looking for something like that. And I've heard a lot of great reviews about FreshBooks.
1: Oh, so good and so easy. So it's something I share with a lot of the stylists that are, that are training as well.
0: Cool. Well, how can our listeners find you or get in contact with you?
1: Oh, I'd love to hear from you all. My my web address is kellylundberg.co. I'm on Twitter. It's kellylundberg. I'm on Instagram loads, if you prefer that too, and Facebook, of course. And for anyone who's passing through Dubai and would love a styling session, a styling session or um, would like to know where the shopping, best places to shop are, or would like to um, challenge me to a shopping session then com is also um our shopping site
0: oh very cool and if if you're ever in the united states area you'll have to uh trade me a little styling session for you know a couple beers or something i, I don't really have much value on my style i need to i need to get into something new and hip uh, Um, you
1: know, i might i might do it for a few it up. i might do it for a few glasses of champagne heath
0: yes yes i can do
1: that, so. <laughs>
0: Oh, i'd love Kelly, to <laughs> thank thank you so much for being the Archerpreneur now and always remember to keep it funky
1: thank you it was a pleasure
0: thank you for listening to the Archapreneur now podcast for all the show notes and more information please visit artsynow.com that's a-r-t-s-y now.com thank you
1: The music for this podcast was provided by Shaky Feeling at Ventura, California. For more information, please visit shakyfeeling.com.
0: Keep it funky.